Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hola y bienvenidos a Deuces Wild Motherfuckers! Oh, geez. Wow. Hey, uh, looks like your uh, video got stuck there, dude. Right away. I'm looking at it. I'm like, how is this even possible? What the hell happened? You were going fine, and all of a sudden, now look at you. Full freeze frame. I didn't touch anything. The bottom line is, so long as my audio is still rocking and rolling right now, like I I should be okay. Let me switch cameras here for a second and maybe... That'll, uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the, the world according to EB from our uh, illustrious leader and IT dude, otherwise known as, uh, as Steven said, frozen time. Like am, as I just, in, am I just standing there? Could you hear me though? Is that? Yeah, we could hear. Yeah, we could hear you, but. Now, now I don't get you at all. Now I still hear you, but I don't get you. Okay, dude. Well, let me keep uh, toying with this thing a little bit, and maybe it's a plug-in connection or whatever. But, dude, your Texas Rangers playing the Baltimore Orioles, all the hype on the Baltimore Orioles. And, unfortunately, for everybody in Birdland, they've absolutely taken a shit on themselves, man. What happened? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, the uh, Texas Rangers <laughs> came to play. I mean, uh, kind of their middle of the lineup. Um, let me let me go to it. Uh, I know it's, uh, you know, Simeon Seeger, Garver, and uh, A.D. Garcia. They've been, uh, they've been on a roll. And uh, Garcia's already got three ribbies. Garver's got two. Uh, Seeger went deep. So uh, they jumped out to a pretty quick. Uh, six nothing jaunt, and they're in the top of the fourth right now. Well, now that you can see me, let's call attention to our new title sponsor, Super Seventy Sports, baby. Look at that! We got the Thurman Munson glasses. We got the hat sitting up on top of the head like that. We got the porn stash. We got the throwback Astros jersey. Oh my God, that's unbelievable! Nice, dude. Oh. Man, don't forget the smag. I mean, the, yeah. it makes the whole get up like this is going to be our new let them play coaching shirts. Right uh, <laughs> and, I mean, oh my god, god. hey, I mean, hey, let the dude from the 70s wave him on in. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm thrilled. I've been thinking of a name, and I, I was asking my daughters downstairs, and I don't know. She Chloe's like Howard, and I got a couple other like I, I don't know Bill, and just kind of standard things. 
And I'm like, you know what? The more I look at him, I just feel like his name should be Fuck It Fred. <laughs> F-I-F, Fifth. That's yeah. his name, Fifth. <laughs> I mean, that pretty much those were the only thing I've changed in this is instead of the pants, I would have him wear those short gym shorts from like the 1970s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like, like you had him on, you know, with the, you know, just skin tight and just like, uh, I don't want to look at it type of shorts. Yeah. Yep. That one time when I wore them on this program and my ball sack just about popped out. <laughs> yeah. Linda and Nora were commenting on that, by the way. <laughs> oh, Linda and Nora were, were, were loving it. So, dude. Yesterday, I don't know if you knew this or not, the 9th of October, 1989, was the day that you hit the base hit up the middle against Mitch Williams to send the San Francisco Giants to their first World Series since 1962. I didn't even even know that was the day. Thank you for reminding me. That's that's usually something that Trey reminds me of, but uh, he didn't remind me. Well, let's start there because I want you to walk us through that epic at bat. Oh, my. All right. So, you know, you got you got the uh, bases loaded, two outs in the eighth. Um, I had not faced Mitch Williams yet, and I knew that I was going to face him at least a few times over the course, you know, of the series. And I couldn't believe it got to game five and I hadn't faced him yet. So here he comes in. Uh, I really didn't have that many at bats off. Uh, maybe one or two, if if that many. And so I went over to uh, Dusty, and um, Dusty said, uh, he said, "Look, man, he goes, this dude. They call him Wild Thing, but he's got a lot better control." He said, "You know," he said, "Buckle down." I said, "You got it." I said, "Where should I look? Away or in?" He goes, "No, look away." So I'm like, "All right." And uh, so I went back to the on deck circle and. Uh, I was getting ready to walk up to home plate and uh, Boogie Bear looked at me and he goes, Hey, we got a job to do. I said, it's done. And uh, just straight out, walked up to home plate, dug my hole, you know, first pitch. I mean, was 98 on the black away. There was nothing I could do with it. So I was like, Oh, one next pitch, damn near the same spot. And I filed it off. All right. So now, now I got, you know, a pretty good idea of what the velocity is. Uh, he threw a high heater, missed with a slider, and I don't know, another pitch or two. And then he threw – I remember it was either 1-2 or 2-2, two, two, whatever it was, and he threw me a high heater, and I fouled it straight back. I mean, it was it was up. It was like chest high, and I fouled it straight back, and I was like, oh, man. I was like, damn, I was all over that son of a gun. I said, man, I hope he throws it again. And the next pitch – was that same high heater, and I was able to get my hands up a little higher. We talked about it before. Got on top of it, and as soon as I hit it, the first thing I said, I said, shit. And the reason being because the ball was on a freaking laser beam right to the second base bag, and I thought it was going to hit the second base bag and, like, ricochet. And I don't know how I did it, but it missed it by about that far. Ball goes into center. Uh, Kenny Malinato scores. Brett Butler scores. Robbie Thompson actually got hung up at second base, and he was a dead duck. And Jerome Walton was in center field for the Cubs, and he vapor locked, and Robbie went to third. And, uh, you know, then everybody – all hell break loose in Candlestick. I mean, we had 62,000 going crazy. I mean, the, 
the hair on the back of my neck standing up. I'm pointing at the guys in the dugout. I gave freaking Wendell Kim a big old bear hug. And, uh, you know, that was that was kind of that at bat right there. So I was sitting in section 62. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was two rows from the top. And even from that far away, I could see the high fastball trajectory from where I was sitting, which is straight away center field. Right. Boom, base hit up the middle. And I remember looking to you over at first base once it settled down or whatever. Then I see the. (sighs) Yeah, as soon as as soon as, you know, I came around. You know, first, and I was kind of observing what was going on when the ball went in. The second, I was like, "Yeah, like yeah!" And I turned around and I was like pointing at all the guys, you know, in the dugout and all that sort of stuff. I got that swing around here somewhere. I'll pull it up for you. But you know how we talk about, you know, on a high fastball, you got to try to keep your elbow down. You can't, you know, give it that old chicken wing jobby on that yep. swing right there. It kind of stayed down. And I was able to get on top of it. So, but um, you know, that's one of the one of the one of the fun ones. Oh, by the way, while we're talking about that, we're talking about something silly and, you know, good things that happen and all that sort of stuff. Today, believe it or not, and everybody, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody in the in the chat room has had something like this happen or hasn't, but uh, I had jury duty today. And uh, so, <laughs> so I show up at 9 o'clock and then there's a note on the door. Come back at uh, 1 o'clock. So we came back at 1 o'clock. And I'm like looking around and I'm noticing that like none of the attorneys are going in uh, in the building and all the other people are sitting in the parking lot and all that. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on here. So I went in the court, the courthouse and uh, there were two uh, little old men that were right there by the metal detector. And they go, son, are you coming in for jury duty? I said, yes, sir, I am. And they said, court is closed today. They said, uh, you can go on home. You're excused. And I go. So does that mean I got to come back, you know, and, and maybe do it again tomorrow and all that? And he goes, no, unless you get another little summons in the mail, you're done. I'm like, yeah, uh, there is my jury duty uh, 101 experience from the thrill. So hold on a second. Here we are, however many years after 1989. So, I mean, what are we looking like, 35? Four years later. At least, something like that. Yeah, hell. We just got the same. Yeah. 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 You hit the fucking base hit up I got the same yeah out of a base hit with the bases loaded and missing jury duty. Uh-huh. Oh, dude. I commend you for showing up. Most people just completely bitch out of that. You know what? I, I did when I was playing. You know, I think I had two or three summons when I was playing. You know, it's like, hey, uh, I'm playing. I can't go. I'm in San Francisco, you know, that kind of stuff. But then since I retired, I think I only had one other summons. And it was like when I was in spring training. So I was able to get out of that. But then this one, I was like, you know what? I haven't seen the justice, you know, system work up close and personal. I said, I'm going to go. And boom, look what happened. So I'm on hold here for a while now again. So basically... There's a list, and I'll try to find it and send it to you. But it's like a hundred things that you need to do before you're dead. And jury duty is on that list as being one of them. There you go. There you go. Hey, look, I 
I tried to do it, but it, it didn't happen. And my buddy Tom Aliotti's on here. He says, knowing you, they'd all be guilty regardless. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. There's zero chance, zero chance that the defense attorney is going to let you on the fucking case. There's just yeah. no way. Yeah, no, no. Put it this way: if they tried to, if they tried to pick me for the jury, I'd say, look, I'm pro military, I'm pro police, and I have a, uh, I have a badge for this parish. And they'd be like, get the hell out of here. Done. Done. <laughs> you're you're absolutely done at that point. That's all, that's all you had yeah. to say. Well, like, yeah. you know, I mean, just get into get into the gun thing too, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> we ain't even going in that direction. Don't worry. I'm a, I'm a conservative. See ya. See ya. And I don't I don't have a ton of empathy. I feel people should pay for their fucking crimes. And, <laughs> and, and by the way. The, the the one big thing that I'm really still holding on to and I don't understand is why we don't do public execu- executions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would curtail some crime, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah, let's climb up to the stake like the medieval times. Bro, I don't know why we got rid of it. I, I, I think that that actually... What's the whole point of executing somebody is... Because it's a deterrent for future criminals. So if you truly want to deter people from doing this, we needed to go, if we're not publicly executing them in front of people, we at least need to be broadcasting this live on No Filter Network. <laughs> oh, you're you're hysterical. Oh, my God. Oh, really fucked up. So thrilled. Hey, hey, Big Mike, you're going to have to chime in on that one right there. Public execution. Oh, he's all about it. Oh my god! I mean, Big Mike. The only thing we'd have we'd have his ass cranked up on that, bro. You and Big Mike, you guys, and I know you sick fucks, and you guys would want to be on the. (laughs) You'd want to be on the firing squad. That's what they start doing. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no. And I'd be the one. I'd be the one handing out the bullets. All right, you got a blank. You got a blank. You got a good one. <laughs> See ya. Oh hell yeah! Damn. Jeez. Hey, look. This is the beauty of this format right here. How to go from you know what's going on in the world of the Texas Rangers, Baltimore Orioles, to the base hit up the middle on uh, against the Cubs to public execution. Uh-huh. We're all over. The, we're all over the board. So you hit six fifty. In the series against the Cubs. It, it felt like you never got out. You were absolutely slaughtering it. I, I mean, dude, I remember so many of those at-bats. What was it? Four for four in the game in Chicago. Yeah. The Grand Slam, Maddox, and, you know, the yeah. hey, I'm throwing it inside. It was just a, an awesome series. So this weekend, Thrill, uh, you're not going to believe this. We went down, our Let Them Play team did to Arizona and we played in a super regional NIT majors event. So we're talking some of the better teams from Arizona, Nevada, and California as well. Three States represented. And where was it? Where was it? It was in Mesa at a place called legacy sports complex. Gorgeous. And we had a really good team this weekend, but we added a couple guys that I wasn't, I didn't know a ton about. I had seen videos, two Arizona kids, and 
both of these kids showed up and my goodness, they were legit. That said, the nine others that we brought are legit as well. So what happened was five victories. We went five and zero oh in the tournament. We scored 75 runs. We gave up seven runs, but here's the kicker. Besides the 17 home runs that we hit in the five games, and we only played 15 innings, by the way, because we mercy ruled everybody. We hit 701 as a team. Oh, my God. That, that is what is known as a barrel roll. You guys just absolutely put the bulldozer blade down and said, get out the way. LTP is coming through, baby. I did not try to hurt feelings. I, I really didn't. It wasn't the intention because, look, dude, we're playing at the highest division in a super regional NIT tournament, but I had no clue. Like, I think, look, we were already a good team, and then you took two, and we actually had, you know, and then one other kid from SoCal. You take these two additions to that, plus this other kid, Connor, and – Good night, man. I mean, this guy Frank the Tank. I, I, this, this, Frank, Frank I call, the Tank, bro. Yeah. Frankie, Frankie the Freak is what I call him now. He had six home runs and twenty-one RBIs in five games. Whoa, insane! It's just insane. So, whoa. Anyhow, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a fun weekend, and I I it was funny because I got back from that. And the first thing I saw was the I was doing preparing the daily hustle for Monday and October 9th. And that's the thing that popped up was on this day, Will Clark base hit up the middle. Yeah, Will cool. Clark hit 650 in the series. And I had just gotten the stats from our guy that runs Game Changer, and he sent it out to the group thread. And he's like, guys, like this has been an amazing weekend. I've been around travel ball for, you know, a, a number of years. I've never, ever, ever seen anything like this in my life. We hit 701 as a team with 17 home runs in 15 total innings. Wow. And, and that, that, that right there. I mean, that right there. I mean, yeah. Okay. You know, it's 12, 12, you or whatever, dude, to put up those kind of numbers in, in not only, not only I, I could understand it if you were playing, Kind of a low, lower sure, caliber yeah, type of exactly, but, exactly. But to play to play the studs from you know Arizona, Nevada, wherever California, all that you know in a in a, a setting like you had out there in Mesa, dude, that's that's impressive, man. That's impressive. I don't know if I can hit seven on one in BP, dude. You're talking about you talking about all right. So since I hit six fifty, you're talking about literally your whole team like went fourteen for twenty. That's, the whole, that's what they did. That's what they did. Bro, the, the whole team, we had a, our OPS was over 2,000. We had one kid, his name's Ryder Cerna. He's a shortstop, and he was the Team USA shortstop. So, look, I want to throw a disclaimer out there. We did have three Team USA kids. So, three kids that were on the 12U Team USA, which would show you that, hey, look, you're, yeah. you know, these are three yeah. of the best 12 you know 12 year olds in the country but at the at the same time 
Look, man, all that does, and I've noticed this in travel ball, it puts a target on your back. Like, oh, yeah, everyone's like, oh, those are the USA kids, or that's let them play. Like, everyone yeah. came hunting. We had to play a team in the finals, and anybody who's familiar with travel ball knows Southern Nevada. They're the number one program out of Vegas that continually will, you know, churn out. And we're, we played them in the finals. They most likely were the second best team there. Obviously, they were. They, they got to the finals. I thought it would be a... a a lot better game. It, it wasn't. Um, there was, I'm not going to get too far into the details, but apparently there were a couple kids from their team that were, that were bullying these little kids. And I got wind of this because one of the family members came to me and told me this. So I gave this really impassioned speech before, uh, <laughs> before like, the game, to, to let them play boys, like saying like, <laughs> look, man, you know, when you wear LTP, like that means something. And, you know, apparently on the other side, look, I, I'm not, I don't, can't tell you exactly what happened, but all I know is that a family member of a younger kid came over and said that there were members of that group, and I don't know who, that were bullying these kids. And you know what? We do not ever back down to bullies. It's our job to protect the people that can't protect themselves. Now let's go out there and put a fucking beat down on them. That is what is known as impassioned. Very nicely done. Thank you. Very nicely done there, Coach Burns. Question for you, dude. Really big question. Because Tom Tom Brady was the mastermind at this. I felt like he always found a way to get motivated. Whether it was deflate gate or it's coming back from the knee injury or it was people talking about how old he was. He always has looked for a way to motivate himself for the next season. What did you do in your career to find that motivation? Uh, you know what? Uh, that For me personally, it wasn't – I didn't have to look too far. I just had to look inside myself. Um, I was just that guy. I mean, you know, if I hit 280, I went out there and worked harder to hit 300. If I hit 300, I went out there and worked harder to hit 320. If I hit 320, I went out there and worked harder to hit 340. And that's that's kind of what I did. And then I tried to do that, all of that, within the team framework in that, you know, look, if I have success, you know, I'm going to bring everybody up there with me. Because guess what? If you're behind me or you're in front of me, you know, if you're in front of me, Brett Butler, Robbie Thompson, look, I'm running your asses off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run you around, you know, the base path. If you're behind me, Look, I am up there trying to get on to set you guys up. So drive my ass in. And you start talking like that and you become one unit like that. You you have stuff that happened to you like this last weekend. I mean, you know, the kids played phenomenal and, and look what happened. And they just barrel rolled everybody and then I'll go. Yeah. So in the off season, obviously you spent some time, you hunt, you fish, you do what – you read next to down there in the south. I mean, it's yeah. Just- you don't even know where it is. Oh, by the way, you figured out what freaking real heat was with humidity this year, Jack. Oh, I I, I know all about it, man. You guys don't. Yeah, now, you do. now you I, do. Now you do. How is the weather out there right now? By the way, actually, believe it or not, it's really it's all cooled off a little bit. We were uh, we were in the forties two days ago in the morning, but it then it warmed up literally. 45 degrees and then got to be 88, 89 in the afternoon. I'm like, how do no wonder everybody's sniffling, sneezing around here. 
So quick update. Hey, by, the way, more, by the way, we got we, you know we got everybody you know in the chat room. Everybody's having fun you know as usual. But uh, Linda just jumped on there and she said something about a lottery system. Hey, for all you gamblers out there, and I know I'm talking to the biggest one across the screen from me, but uh, old uh, Powerball is 1.7 something billion. Maybe you might need to go get you a little ticket here and there. Thrill, if you won $1.7 billion, let's just say you take a lump sum of like $850 million. What would be your first purchase? <laughs> what would be my first purchase? Oh, my God. That's a good one there, EB. A rifle? No, shoot, no. I got plenty of them. I got enough of that. It'd probably be land, believe it or not. I'd probably go buy a track of land. Where? I don't know. Maybe around here. Maybe uh, buy out my neighbors up there at my ranch in Mississippi. I don't know. We'll see. Well, what are you going to do with the land? Hunt, fish, all the rest of the stuff. The stuff that I already normally do, I do more of it. Yeah, but how many acres? You do? How many acres do you have at Deuce's Wild Ranch right now? Three thousand. How what? I got seven what miles. We do with I got, I, 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 I got seven miles of river frontage. If you put in, if you put in on one side of my property and go all the way around, you wind up going damn near seven miles. Do you have any running trails on the property? Oh, put it this way: we got damn near I ten on the property. I've done a lot of road work here in the last few years, and. Uh, if your nappy ass shows up, you can go run all over the place. But I will send you out with a gun because if you see some vermin, it is imperative that you shoot. What is that? Hogs and coyotes and bobcats and snakes and all of that. Okay. I'd kill a snake. I would not kill a bobcat. It's a fucking bobcat. It's a cat named Bob. I'm not, I'm not fucking with a bobcat. Um, <laughs> a hog... If the hog looked at me the wrong way, I'd fucking cap his ass. Yeah, sure. I shoot a hog. <laughs> I'm not killing Bambi. I've no interest in killing a deer. None. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, what else? A bear only if I'm getting attacked. A hey, mountain. We don't have we don't have bears. Lion. We don't have bears down here. We don't have mountain lions. Don't worry about it. Hey, uh, you like pork chops? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got some for you. So, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about Trey and I went to a ranch and we did a lot of pigs and I brought it to my processor and uh, he cut me. Oh, God, I couldn't even tell you how many pork chops I got outside. Maybe 80, 100. I don't know. And so they are absolutely delicious. I'll have to send you a care package. What is an actual pork chop? I mean, I know it's a pork chops coming from, obviously. All right, so it's, it's, basically, it? it's basically your spine. All right. And so what I did was I took the shoulders off and then I took the, the legs off. And so you kept the spine intact and then you take it with a bandsaw and you go zzz, 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 and you cut pork chops. So you're eating the back meat. Yep. In a, in a regular game animal, it's called the back strap. And then the inside part of, the, of your back, which would be behind your stomach, is the filet mignon. So that's what a pork chop is. Pork chop is 
basically half of a ribeye and half of a filet. That's what a pork chop is. Do you chop this shit up, man? Yeah. With what? A knife. <laughs> a big knife. Dude. I mean, yeah, that it sounds like the butcher. Like that's a, yeah. that's some will the butcher. Have you ever thought about being a butcher? Uh yeah, you know what? I, I put it this way. If you need it, if you need to put it on your table, I'll put it on your table pretty quick. Dude, I I, I can't I mean I can fathom it. I, I think it's really cool. I'm really fascinated by it and I'll eat it. I promise you. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, to be totally honest, and, and this just goes to show you, I mean, but like, you know, cattle industry, the the pork industry, even even like fish and stuff like that, it is so absolutely sanitary i mean when you walk in one of those factories um it, chickens is the same thing um it is absolutely amazing how clean um these environments are and, that, and that's what makes its way to our plates adley rutschman grounds out so it's six one texas they did get on the board but it looks like the rangers are going to put away the baltimore Orioles, a thrill. The big game earlier today was your former coach. You already mentioned him in the program. Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros taking it to Sonny Gray and the Minnesota Twins in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I want to share with you something because former colleague of mine, great friend of mine, real big student of the game, Carlos Pena, was just on MLB Network. And he was talking about Jose Abreu sitting on the sweeper, the slurve, whatever the fuck you want to call it, breaking ball. And he showed him, like, literally like this, where he threw the fastball, three fastballs in, he's like, boom. Like, not even offering, not even thinking about, boom, two, boom, three. And it almost looked like, at that point, you're like, dude, he's got to be sitting on the slider. And sure enough, next pitch slider, bam, gone. Yep, 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 yep. And and matter of fact, he hit he hit two homers today. The first one was off of Gray in the first inning, was a three run shot, and then he hit another one uh, in the uh, ninth inning off of a reliever. But you know, the thing is, <clears throat> I think you and I have talked about this before. You know, I mean, I remember Manny Ramirez. We were in Cleveland. Uh, I was with the Rangers. And Pudge was putting down one fastball. Manny was just going, one of them numbers. And then he put one, I mean, one of them numbers. And as soon as he put down two or three, whatever it was, on my first base, I'm like, no, what are those numbers? And as soon as his slider came, pow, I mean, Manny came out of his shoes. And I was like, oh, my God. And so that was one of my, that was one of my teaching moments with Pudge. You know, I got him in the, in the dugout after that, I was like, the reason that you should never have gone away from the fastball was you didn't see how he took it. He took it like exactly like you said with Braille. He just went, eh, that's not the one I'm looking for. That's not the one I'm looking for. And as soon as you see the one that he's looking for, I mean, you can see their eyes light up and they got a different, a completely different swing than, hey, I'm going to hit a single right here. So you were somebody that would guess on certain pitches yep that what kind of discipline does that take a lot 
I mean, that takes a lot of discipline because, you know, even, even my dad, my dad, you know, when, when he was living, I mean, you know, I, I, if I could tell you how many times he said, why didn't you hit that fastball? And I was like, cause I knew the slider was coming or I knew the changeup was coming. And he goes, you mean to tell me you took that fastball just so you could get the other pitch? And I was like, yep. And that is what you and I talked about was, you know, for you especially because you were a table setter. You needed to find a way to get on there. And so, you know, for you, you were talking about, hey, look, I got to be ready for the heater. I got to be ready for the heater. And you were jacked up for that, which is which is fine doing what you did to get on for a guy like me. When yeah. I get up there, I have to drive the run in. That's first off. And then I have to set up my guy behind me or my two guys behind me, whatever it is. And so that's why I did all of the homework that I did was to figure out what pitch I was going to be looking for. And then when you look for it, just stay with it because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. You did that much homework. Stay with it. Okay, so I'm going to use this Verge Cannabis uh, little bottle right here. And, yes, one of our title sponsors as well, Verge. Oh, my God. Go ahead and go to tryverge.com. This stuff is unbelievable, dude. And it gets you not not that weird, wacky, wild high. Just it just high, gets you Eric Burns normal high. Normal high, nice energy, good <laughs> vibes, a little relaxed. Kind of like taking a shot at tequila, dude. Try hey, hey, like we were talking about before, you get a little hair on the back of your neck standing up, all that good stuff, you know? So I'm going to use this as the ball. What Carlos was talking about was that when – the pitcher's releasing the ball. He's showing how when it was a fastball, it's just coming straight down, right? We're here. It's here. Well, when he is looking for the baseball, what he's looking for is the shape. And you're looking for yes. the pop. And I tell yes. the boys all the time, sit heater, adjust to the pop. You'll see the pop. Look fastball, adjust to the pop. And that's the pop. And Abreu and Alex Bregman both hit sliders out of the ballpark today, looking seemingly at least like they were 100% sitting on that. All right, let me let me get let me get one for you. Hang on, I get one. In the meantime, I'm gonna go refill my 818 tequila bottle. Another chance to get our sponsor some love here. Oh, uh, you got to love it. You got to love it. All right, here we go. Major League Baseball. <laughs> got our little scenes on it and all that. All right, you're talking about right here, okay? When you throw a fastball, wherever angle it is, if it's here, if it's out here, wherever it is, see where my fingers are. My fingers are on top of the ball. Ball comes out, and it rotates, okay? All right. Exactly. You start throwing breaking balls and stuff. First off, you change your grip, but then you get your hand off to the side. See, all of a sudden now I changed my fingers from here to there. So now when I throw, it's almost like my fingers come off on the side of the ball, all right? And, and you don't see – when you throw on a fastball, you see the palm of the hand. When you throw on a break ball, you don't see the palm of the hand as oh, much. Oh, shit, man. Okay. That's why you were better than me. Boom. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the difference in between a fastball and a breaking ball, all right? And so as soon as you see that palm close up – you know it's a breaking ball. You don't know if it's slider or if it's a curveball, whatever it is, but you know that it's something off speed, and if you're sitting on it, you go, whammo, there it is. 
All right, so there's your fastball. There's, there's your breaking ball and your curveball. All right, no more palm, no more. Were you able to pick up other tips, cues, basically? I'll give you an example. We were facing a guy in Reno, and he every breaking ball, he would take his middle finger or whatever yes. finger he had out of the glove and, and he, and he pop it. Other than that, he'd go like this, he'd keep it down. And then he'd go here on the breaking yeah. ball. Were yeah. you able to pick up tendencies like that from pitchers throughout the course of the years? So, so we did, and we tried to keep it kind of in house. We didn't try to talk about it too much. Um, one of the best I've ever seen at it. And he was my best friend. So we talked about it all the time was Tony Gwynn. Um, believe it or not, both of us, had Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson was straight up and down with a fastball, and he'd turn his glove like this with a slider, all right? And, you know, but he had a way above average stuff, so it didn't matter if you knew what was coming or not. But, you know, those guys, those guys that you're talking about with the fingers up, another guy is is a guy that'll, like, he'll, like, we call it fanning the glove. I don't, I don't have a glove right here. But when you when all right, so you got your fastball, and then all of a sudden you need to switch to a breaking ball. You got to open up your glove to get another grip in there, and then throw the pitch. And we call it fan in the glove. If you fan the glove, it's off speed pitch. If you kept the gloves solid, it's a heater. So, so I told Biscuit this the other day because he when he goes in for his changeup, it like digs. Fastball and, and curveball are the same. When he goes in the changeup, like I was noticing this. I'm like, bro, I don't care if you want to dig. If that makes you get the better grip, I want you to get the grip. But when you go for your other pitches, make sure you do this. Make sure you do it. And so Ryan Dempster was the ultimate example of that because Dempster would go like this because he knew, I think he was gripping the split. He was was gripping the split finger. And so, so he knew that he had to get that glove open in order to get those fingers split up like that. And so in order to do that, he just wiggled all the time. But if you had guys that just wiggled out of clear blue, you're like, whoa, what was that all of a sudden? You know, and you start paying attention to it. Um, let's hit the games and then I want to get into the Giants. And yeah, yeah, we need we need to talk about the Higantes a little bit. I got I got some interesting stats that I pulled up today. Let's talk about this though last night. The the game of the day was the Atlanta Braves over the Philadelphia Phillies. It was a play that Michael Harris the second made in center field a backhanded play up against the wall. He hauled it in. He threw the ball into the infield. It went by the shortstop. It went by the second baseman. And then Austin Riley, who was playing third base, trailed the play, picked the ball up, and fucking hosed out Bryce Harper at first before he could get back. Double play, ball game. Austin Riley in that situation thrill, I compared him to Derek Jeter today. That's exactly right. Derek Jeter on that play at home plate where he shoveled it home. It is having that wherewithal, that second sense that, hey, look, something's happening out of the ordinary here, and I got to be in the right place. And Austin Riley was. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, yesterday too – you know, the, the Phillies had jumped out on top, and then uh, the, the Braves came back with a homer from their catcher, Travis Darnold, 
And then uh, Austin Riley wound up hitting a two-run jobby there in the eighth inning that that really kind of sealed the deal. And uh, But then, like you said, the hell of a play that ended the game. Yeah, so the other game that went on was the Arizona Diamondbacks at the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Diamondbacks prevailed again. They pounded Clayton Kershaw in the first game. They uh, beat Miller yesterday, the young stud right-hander for the Dodgers. They're down down 2-0 heading to Arizona. I mean, damn, man. This is a great year that looks like it's going to be wasted for the Dodgers. In Arizona, let's give them some fucking credit. They've been playing yeah, no, great. No, I mean, you know, hey, look, the, the Diamondbacks, you know, I mean, if you remember, up until the Dodgers got hot, the Diamondbacks were in first place you know, early in the season. And then right. they, the Dodgers got hot and kind of overtook them. But then Arizona's been playing for something like for the last month. I mean, they've been fending or a month and a half, whatever. They've been fending off everybody from the wild card race. So, you know, they, they were on pins and needles to coming in there. And, you know, they got a they got a real good start from Galen. You know, he's had a real good year for them. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they jumped on, they jumped on uh, Clayton Kershaw that first game. But then they got they got Miller the second game. Uh, you know, really, I mean, to be totally honest, I'm surprised. You know, I mean, uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Aliotti, he he loves sending out that that van that everybody the meme that right, what is it uh, used with no miles hasn't seen any action something like that. It's a Dodger van. It's one of the memes. Tommy wants me to break it out. I'm like, dude, the series ain't over yet. You know, but um. You know, it's it's kind of fun. You know, one of the one of the big things that I've seen, especially from the Arizona side of things, they've shut down Betts and Freeman so far in the first two games. Yeah, and you keep those two guys off of the bases. Everybody that comes up behind them can't do that much damage unless they sit they hitting solo shots. You know. Okay, so Freddie Freeman was up with the bases loaded yesterday, and he had just fouled a ball off his leg. Uh, he had, I don't want to say kind of a long at bat, but I, I the count, I, I believe, was 3-2. It was. And I'm not sure if it was Gallon that was in at the time. I Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who gives a shit? But he threw him a 3-2 breaking ball. And it froze Freddie. But yeah. this was like the third breaking ball that he saw in the at-bat. And I understand if he wanted to sell out for the fastball, which he obviously was doing because this was right down fucking Broadway, man, right down the middle, took it. And it was like one of those ones where he was walking back to the dugout. I just, uh, look, Freddie Freeman's had 10 X the career that I could have ever dreamed to have. And I'm not the, I, I said this on the daily hustle this morning. I'm the last guy that could ever call out Freddie Freeman uh, as a hitter. He's one of the best of the best. Uh, one of the best to ever do it. But holy shit, man, I'd have a tough time taking a pitch like that. Like no matter what. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I get it. Right? I get it. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where sometimes you guess and sometimes you guess wrong, obviously. Yeah, no. And then the, the thing is, you know, cause I just looked at it right here. You know, he threw him a one, two breaking ball, two, two breaking ball, a three, two breaking ball that he filed off and another three, two breaking ball. So th- there was no way that Freddie in that at-bat was going to get a fastball to where he could do some damage. He was he no. was actually, if anything, he was going to kind of 
a half-assed pitch around him, and if he walked him, ah, shit, no big deal. I'll go to the next guy. But I'm not letting Freddie Freeman beat me with a heater out over the dish. And that's a great point because if you are the Diamondbacks and you're looking at that lineup, you're like, dude, I'm not letting Mookie Betts beat me, and I'm not letting Freddie Freeman beat me. There you go. That, right? There you go. Okay. So uh, one more thing on this. There's a, a real good trend going on right now. And that trend is the teams that played in the wild card, Texas, Arizona, Philadelphia, playing really well, man. Uh, you know, at this point, you're looking at it. I, do you think momentum matters? Because you got those other dudes going home and sitting down for, you know, four or five days. They're not used to it, bro. These are baseball yeah. players, creatures yeah, no, every no. day. No, we talked. I talked about that right at the end of the season with some of our press corps. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, I like, I, you know, I'm not a big, huge, you know, wild card dude, you know, because I was not that kind of guy. But with the guys that are winning the wild card now, they are literally playing to the end of the season. Then they got to play immediately after. You got two teams right here. What was it? L.A. and Atlanta, right? That got buys in the first round. That they had to wait until somebody got through with their series. So now you're sitting on the sidelines. You've been playing all year long. You've never had more than a day off with the exception of the All-Star break. Now all of a sudden you got to park your ass for four or five days. That ain't easy to do and then come back and strap it on, you know? And that's it. You have the Diamondbacks playing the Brewers in these high-leverage games super intense and then they go from that to la they're like bam whatever and in the meantime you know what i don't would know what these guys are doing but they're strolling fucking manhattan beach and uh, maybe hitting the club in hollywood I, it's just doing whatever they do out there i it just i i, I you got to play you got to play baseball and that's we got a big tournament in vegas and not this weekend, but next weekend. And so we were trying to decide whether or not we're going to play yeah. this weekend. And I'm like, look, guys, if Vegas is what we may consider here the biggest tournament of the fall, right? Why would we not not play? Like, right. We, right. Of course, we, we had a slaughter session in Arizona. It went great. Fine. Whatever. I'm not hanging my hat on that. Let's get the reps this weekend, no matter what happens. And we don't, we're only going to have, we're, we'll have like six of our guys and then we're going to fill in the rest of the spots. But, but here's the thing. All right. So here's the thing. All right. Yeah. I can hang my hat on, on what we did last weekend. All right. But you got six of your guys in this weekend. All right. You still yeah. got to get reps and you got to get quality reps. So bear down, yeah. bear down because, yeah. because this weekend, this weekend means as much as last weekend, because yes. when you walk up to the plate, you're playing for the guy in front of you, guy behind you, the coach, this, net, all that sort of stuff. So get your good reps in. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe just went deep. So now it's 7-1, Texas over Baltimore. Just like that. Did you have any rooting interest in this one way or another? You played for both teams. Yeah, I played for both teams. Um, you know, Boach and I are close friends. Um, you know, I talk to him at least two or three times a year. And then, you know, Dusty and I, Dusty and I are tight. So, it's kind of funny that, you know, the Astros and Rangers coming out the same division, both of them in the postseason, and you never know. Maybe both of them will be facing one another. It'd be interesting. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That'd be really cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, two, two old school guys, you know. I mean, look, everybody talks about, you know, the Rays and their, you know, schematics and their analytics and all that. They're back home again, all right? And on top of that, uh, they still have not won a World Series yet. So, you know, you're seeing guys that are old school, and uh, look where they're at. They just keep winning. All right, Thrill. Give me a quick update on the Giants and the managerial situation and what may or may not be going on there as well as eh, just any other state of the union items that you want to address. Yeah, no. So, so, you know, as far as, as far as the Giants go, I mean, you know, you can go back and you can hash out kind of what went wrong, what didn't went wrong, what was good, what was bad. All right. But, you also have to look at the facts are facts, all right? July 18th, uh, San Francisco was 13 games above 500, all right? After July 18th, and remember, we started talking about this. We started talking about the dog days of August and how you got to battle through the dog days of August, and they had a pain-in-the-ass schedule coming up. The Giants went 25-43. and 43. After the All Star break, seriously, twenty five and forty three after after July eighteenth. So you know that's that's just doomsday right there. And on top of that, they went nine and eighteen in September, playing in their division. So that just doesn't cut it. Doesn't cut it at all. Where do they need to improve upon for next year? Two things. We were last in the major leagues uh, in fielding percentage. We made 117 errors. And we were also last in the major leagues in stolen bases. We had 57. So we can definitely improve on defense. That's just working on it. All right. And then second off is just running. Um, You know, you and I have never really talked about this. But a team like the Giants, this is a perfect example. You got a, a few older guys in the lineup, you know, maybe don't run near as good as they used to, whatever. How about putting a hit and run on here and there? You know, just move, get get guys moving. And, you know, you stay out to double play. Uh, you'll you'll get some first and thirds, you know, and you, you just keep passing the, the baton, keep passing the torch. So, you know, there's, there's ways around those kind of things. So, but so- you got to clean up the defense. You cannot – on the field we play on, the absolutely perfectly manicured, gorgeous field that we play on, you cannot be last in the major leagues in fielding. No excuse. Something interesting happened in the last game between Texas and Baltimore. I believe it was Gunnar Henderson was stealing second, and Aaron Hicks was up. He didn't swing the bat. Henderson gets thrown out at second. Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles, said that it was Aaron Hicks who missed a hit and run. Hicks did not 
indicate that, uh, nor did Gunnar Henderson indicate that. So you don't know who's covering for who. Uh, I just, I found it, I found it interesting. And I don't know if it was a communication breakdown or what. You don't see a ton of hit and running anymore. I, I'm a believer more of the run and hit where get a, get a good lead, get a good jump, and I'm, I want my guy swinging the bat if you get a good pitch to hit sort of thing. But I also don't want where if a guy swings and miss, a guy's got so much swing and miss shit these days that no, I get it. I, I get, I get what you're that. saying. I get what you're saying. But you know, here here's one for you. And, and if you want, I can pull up the video. I got it. Um, we I was with St. Louis my last year, and we were trying to put a nail in the coffin, go to the playoffs, and all that. We're in Miami, and we're playing the Marlins, and I have never faced. Antonio Alfonseca. You remember him? All right. Yeah, wait, hold on. Hey, he had like, he had like six, six fingers. fingers or something like yeah, that. Six fingers. Remember that guy? Antonio. Right? So I've never I've never faced this dude, right? And so I'm asking everybody, what's he got? And everybody says the same thing. They said, dude, he's got a real good sinker, and he's got good control. I'm like, oh, this is freaking great. So we're in the top of the ninth. It's a tie ball game. And – I, I went up to LaRusso. I said, do you mind if I put a hit and run on myself? And he goes, no, go for it. I went up to Jimmy Edmonds, and I told Jimmy, I said, look, I said, do whatever the shit you can to get on. I said, first pitch, we're hitting and running with Alfonseca. I said, you take off, I'm going to cover your ass. He goes, really? I go, yeah, I've never faced the guy. I said, I'm going to jump on the first freaking thing that he throws me. And it just so happens, Jimmy had a freaking great at bat. He battled his ass off. He got on first, and Alfonseca threw me a sinker away, right? And I went out there, and I hooked the shit in right center for an RBI triple. And then Craig Paquette hit a sack fly, drove me, and we wound up winning by two runs, all because you picked the right spot. You got guys running. And Edmonds could have stole the base all by himself because he was that fast. Sure. But it was just the fact that you got guys moving around on the infield and it opens up holes for you. So there you go. Okay. The big question, though, in all of this is, do you think that the sixth finger that Alfonseca had should have been legal? I mean, bro, that's an extra digit. Everyone else has got to play it's, with five. It's part of your body, dumbass. Hey, hey, Antonio, you can't pitch with uh, six fingers. You got to chop that one off. The shit. That's a legit question. That's not a legit question, you moron. Bro. (laughs) Six fingers is six fucking fingers, man. Do you realize? (laughs) That's why. That's why he threw that he could do with the baseball. Hey, that's why he threw such a good sinker. He had that extra divot right there, and he went view off on the side of it. That's exactly why. <laughs> you're a mess. God, you're, you're a mess. A hell of a palm ball, though. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have digressed to. All right, pitchers are not opposed to having six fingers. You have to have surgery and chop one off. Well, you know that's what happens, right? No. Like in no. a normal setting, in a normal uh, country, like people take care of things like that. If you have an extra digit, you just just try. Now, a lot of people are born with extra digits. Hey, look, look, Luke or even put on there, what about Jim Abbott? We need to stick one on him. 
the hell? He well, he did this. Jimmy, throwing to wrap the thing under the freaking arm, the best I've ever seen in my life. Jim Abbott. I mean, that's a whole different story. What he fucking did was unbelievable. Did you well, face was, him? You had to face him. Well, I not only faced him, but then guess what? That was when you know we played. You know, you had to hit when you came over to the National League. He actually swung the bat a few times. Did a pretty damn good job. Luca, Luca, look it up. Did did Jim Abbott hit a home run in the major leagues one handed? Yes, I think he did. I think he did. Dude, I'm pretty sure I just recently saw this, but he would take it. So he's left. He was left handed, right? So he was missing. Yeah, yeah. He was missing his right hand. So he would take it like that, and then just kind of take the nub, and whack. I'll tell you what, though. I I can, the so there's this guy on YouTube. He he's famous for hitting one-handed homers, and he challenged me to a one-handed home run contest just recently when we were in Mississippi. I'm like, sure, dude. I went out there and I fucking was whacking balls over the fence one hand, no problem. I mean, the fence was only 250, but we had these. It, it's so this guy's a former college tennis player, and he just gets this whack whip with these super light bats, and you can launch balls. So. Although the Jim Abbott home run seems like it's pretty impressive. And it is. It's really impressive. I don't hey, know. Look, I, I think it's awesome. And Luke even brought it up. Andre said, yes, he did. So Andre knows too. But then Luke even brought it up. He threw a no hitter too. So, hey, look, you know, he was a, he was a special, special athlete. So, you know, I tip my cap to him. But um, sorry, we can't cut Al Fonseca's finger off. Sorry. That's, that's a no-go. We're not gonna fucking do it. You said, I mean, you know, we send them to the doctor. They do it. It's <laughs> bro, it's a normal send them to the doctor. They do it. Okay, I have a question. Oh my god, you're a mess. If you had a six finger or a six toe, would you leave it or would you chop it off? Legit question. Legit. If it was bothering me, then I would chop it off. If it wasn't bothering me, I ah, hell with it. Just get a little bigger shoe. Yeah, but you're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why you would chop off the toe for sure, right? You're not oh, going to find a shoe that fucking gosh. fits. And then I can't live in Tahoe and have a six digit. What am I going to do with the six digit? I have to make six finger fucking gloves, man. Put it this way. You would definitely have to be out in the snow in minus five degrees with just your just your coaching shorts on sending – me videos and pictures, I'd be shaking my head again. Hey, it's it's getting cold here, Thrill. It's about yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is, dude. I can't wait. Hey, you know, you know what the you know what the fun part is. I was telling I was telling Big Mike this. You know, the fun part is you know when you're in San Fran, you're like, all right, I got to go to Reno, whatever. Got to go, you know, Tahoe, and because this this like blows my mind. It's like you drive in, you come out of Sacramento. And then all of a sudden you start climbing and all of a sudden you start seeing these signs, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, all the way to 7,200 feet. I'm like, oh my God, this coon ass is in the wrong freaking spot. Bro, dude, you're out here amongst the bears and I, the, I mean, this is, this is your territory. This is the fucking woods, man. This is perfect <laughs> for you, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. It's nah. a, yeah, it, it's a dude that you get in that concrete jungle of San Francisco. It's you know all the 
fucking bullshit that they're dealing with there. That's where you're really misfit. Now, hey, you know, you know what I really like. I really like is, and it, it's the other way around. It's coming from Reno back, Francisco. Is when you when you're driving and you're you're driving alongside the Truckee River and how gorgeous that freaking oh, thing is, yeah. dude. That is an awesome stretch from Reno going past Tahoe and all that. Yeah. that that's wonderful. It, it it is beautiful. All right, dude. We're getting towards the end here. I told you we're gonna rip open a pack of cards tonight. Uh, all right. With the sole intention of hopefully finding something or someone that, of course, can bring us a fantastic story. So, on that note, let's go. 19- on that note. We're at 1987 tops. 87. Here we go. Good year. This is what Kruko does all the time. He just sits there and he... He goes like this the whole time while he's doing his broadcast. He's just throwing the ball back and forth. And the ball has had so many times going back and forth like that, the damn thing black almost. I'm like, Crook, you get a new ball every every game? He's like, yep, every game. And he throws it back and forth to himself. Okay, I'm going to start with one because I just bought his rookie card recently. And this is not an 87 Tops card. This is a Tops card, but – it is a 49ers. Oh, card. Ooh. And this would be a 1982 Dwight Clark. Oh my goodness gracious. What a what a great man. What a great man. Uh what can I say about Dwight? I mean, he and uh he and some of the guys used to come in the clubhouse, used to hang around. They invited us to go to football games. I'd see him out every now and then. Just, just a, a great person. He is actually you because you have worked at the Pace Supply yeah. tournament there in in Reno. He's the guy that got me hooked up with Pace Supply that I still have uh, pretty much a a working relationship with them till this day because of Dwight. Super cool, man. Um, I had an opportunity uh, to to meet Dwight, but not dude. I was like. I don't know, nine years old. I met him at Getz Brothers in Redwood City. And it was him and Joe. Oh, my God. They were on their way out. They were doing a signing. But they they were my everything, dude. I mean, that was it. Like, those two and you when I was was a kid. So, uh, yeah, he's just – I all I do ever is – and especially at that pace supply thing, man. All the – you know, it it had been a few years since he passed. But – they there you go. the way they the way they spoke about Dwight was just fucking awesome. No way. Big Dwight, the thrill in the middle, and Joe Montana. That's a freaking group right there. That's they were on the field right before one of our games, and we were getting ready to strap it on. We took a picture. Dude, send me that pick. You got Whatever it. You no problem. Done. Done. That, that, that's one of the greatest. Pictures I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, that's I mean, awesome. No, those were the three. Those were the three guys. Yeah. That I they look, and it wasn't just me. This isn't this isn't I look, I get the deuces wild thing, and it's really cool. I get to come on, talk to you, whatever. But this was every fucking kid in the yeah. Bay area from yeah. like eight to 18 years old. Those were the three heroes of the early mid 1980s. Yeah, I mean, you had the, the quarterback uh, all the world world championships team 
you had you had the three hole hitter up and coming Giants, and then you had the catch. The catch. So I mean, there you go, right there. Okay, well, this is a fantastic transition because uh, I mean, obviously, you're not going to say top Dwight or whatever else, but this is a dude that I worked with. This is a guy I shared an office with. This is one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in my life. He's like part hippie, peace, love, weed, calm, and part fucking psycho. He is like no other man I've ever met in my entire life, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Flannery. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a beauty. Wow, it don't get no better than that. Tim Flannery, you know, infielder for the San Diego Padres for years and years. Got to be really good friends with Bruce Boach. Boach brought him on board coaching for, you know, and, and Flannery had been coaching for a while now. Brought him on board, you know, for the for the World Series teams there. Um, just a just a freaking super dude. But he also had that switch. I mean, to where like he would go from just a normal dude to like a freaking psychopath, and you did not want to fight that little bastard. Uh-uh. He was he was that guy. He was just like I'm in it till the death, and. Uh, Till this day, I love Flan. Flan's freaking awesome. He and I, he and I go way back, and uh, just a super person. So Flan and I worked together at MLB Network. He, I just was so, I you know he's a media guy, right? So he, you know, he gives a coach, right? He's a baseball guy, but then when you become a media guy, like any baseball guy, you're very conscious with what you say. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to sell your boys out, you, you, you know, how much you give, whatever. And we, we would have these really cool talks, man. And so anyhow, there was one day where we were in the office and before Flan would go on the air, he would take these little gummies and look. I've never been a big weed person, this or that. I, 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 I'm more talk than anything else. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I hit a, a bong or two when I was in high school and <laughs> smoked a joint every now and again through college. I, yeah, every so often I'd venture uh, that route in the minor leagues and a little bit in the big leagues. And when I hang out with Kowalski doing the ultra Ironman stuff, a little bit more. But this isn't a regular thing. So Flan's like, yo, yeah, just take one of these, dude. You'll be great. I'm like, perfect. So I take this gummy. We then proceed to go on the air for the next three hours. Bro, I was out of my fucking mind. (laughs) High as a kite. I couldn't talk. The first hour, I was just like this. <laughs> oh, dude, I was tripping, man. This guy's got some wild, crazy shit, dude. Hey, By the second hour, hey. I was okay. But that got, first got, hour, I was fucked up. You got some guys that got the regular shit, and then some guys got the grade A. Flan got the grade A, baby. Dude, this was <laughs> the top notch. And he traveled with it because. 
He's like, look, I ain't buying this bullshit East Coast weed. Like the, the stuff I'm getting, man, like this is going to be that, like you said, the primo, primo. I don't, I don't even know where that is, like Humboldt or Chico or whatever. You get a belt. Yeah, wherever it is. Yeah, I don't whatever. know. But yeah, he had, he had the best of the best. So needless to say, that was the last time I ever fucking took one of those. <laughs> All right. So we got, we're working on 87. We just did the flan, man. Uh, who else you got working there, brother? This is an interesting one because you were on the ballot with this guy on the Veterans Committee. And a lot of people made the argument that you should have been the one to be elected to the Hall of Fame and not this guy. Now, he has tremendous numbers, great job, great career. Uh, I will still take it to my grave that you were the overall better player. Harold Baines, I knew you were going there. I knew you were going there. Not only did play against Harold for a long time, but I was a teammate in Baltimore. You know, the argument for me as opposed to Harold was, you know, Harold for the majority of his career was a DH. And, you know, it's like, you know, you know, what people are going to say is he basically didn't play both sides of the ball. Whereas a guy like myself, a guy like you did. So, you know, it, Hey, look, you know, the one thing about Harold Baines, he played with injury, he played hurt and he played, Tw- oh geez, I want to say 23, 24 years, something like yeah. that. He, had he one played game. a long time. So, you know, hey, look, you know, he, he made the Hall of Fame. I'm glad he did. You know, he's he's a he's a super person. Like I said, teammate, and uh, you know, I'm proud for him. But uh, you know, yeah, that's that's where they were making the argument right there. Well, the argument the argument was easily made. It, it it really was, and it wasn't a knock against Harold. It and I'm glad he got it. I, I get I think, it. I get I think it. There's more guys that should get it. His longevity is what really got him there. Yeah. 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 So, for sure. Without a okay. shadow of a doubt. This next guy was one of my favorite dudes to watch hit. And as a right handed hitter, as much as I loved your swing thrill, I, this, this from the right side, just, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I I, I would mimic it in wiffle ball, but there was no way I was going to try to do that in the game. I this guy, on the other hand, I would mimic in a game or at least try to because he had one of the simplest swings in the history of baseball. Paul Molitor. Oh, my God almighty. Holy cow. Matter of fact, I don't have it. No, I don't have it down here. I got one of Paul's bats here. Really? Um, yeah. So – so the so this bat right here is the C two seventy one. We talk about it, you know, kind of got the thinner barrel, and then got the got the handle right here. Paul's bat did not have a handle right here, so it kind of kind of was just a straight, and and this whole knob would be cut off, and it was for whatever reason I don't know why they called it a H one seventy six, even though it was after Molitor. Um, and uh, good lord. Piece of cake, you said it. I, I can't say it any better than that. The simplest, most easy to to mimic swing. He would just pick his foot up about this high, put it right back there, and wham! All hell broke loose. And Paul and I had a lot of talks, and until this day, we're really good friends. We talk every time we see each other. We talk profusely, but the one the conversations that we were having on first base was. 
And I even asked him that. I said, let me ask you this. I said, you make that move, and it's such a short, easy move. I said, you do that to save yourself time to recognize the pitches? And he goes, exactly. And I go, that's what I'm trying to tell these young kids. All these young kids that are doing the freaking leg lift and and think they're freaking Mike Tyson jumping up and down and shit. It's like, no, man. All you got to do is pick it up a little bit, put it back down, and cut that bastard loose. And Paul Molitor was one of the best Hall of Famer. There you go. How heavy was his bat? Uh, you know, pretty much everybody in our era you usually swung a 32-ounce. So I think Paul's was 34, 32. Might have been, might have been 33, 32. But, but you know, he'd also he was another one of those guys. You know, because he was old school, he'd choke up on it every now and then, especially when he got two strikes. And I mean, you have to choke up if you're swinging the yep. knob like that, right? Yep, yep. You, you choke up just a you hair. Have, to have a little something. But all of us, all of us used pine tar back then. Okay. So I mean, we weren't gonna freaking chunk the son of bitches up in the stands, you know. So uh, you know, Paul Paul was just a freaking dynamite hitter. I mean, he would he's another guy too that we we talk about it, you know, we talk about looking for pitches and stuff like that. He would hunt certain pitches in certain situations, and he was in good situations because when he was in Milwaukee, he was ahead of Robin Yount. When he was in Minnesota. He was ahead of Kirby Puckett and Dave Winfield and Kent Herbeck. So Paul was in really good situations to hit, too, as well. Did you ever sniff Pintar? Yes. I love it, man. I mean, as, as much Pintar as I use, I mean, you, you could not not smell it, you know. But, but you know, I mean. No, you know it, what I'm talking about. Like, Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean. Shit, I got I got freaking a thousand acres of pine trees on my place. You know, when you whenever you walk through the woods, you can smell that rosin and that that pine tar like that because it seeps out of the trees. It's it's a freaking awesome smell. It's an outdoorsy, woodsy type of smell. And uh, you know, for me, I used it so much because, and you and I talked about it, candlestick. The wind blew so much, and it would dry everything out. So, it, you know, your hands would dry out. If you did not use pine tar, pew, you would chunk and shit in the stands left and right. Okay, then I have one more question for you. You got it. Did you ever sniff rubber cement? No, I did not. You asked me that before. You are a psycho because you did. Not, no, no, do. Because oh, I do. Do. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here. Go um, ahead. Go ahead. Get you a little sniff in there. Let me let me see your eyeballs turn turn about six shades of green. Oh, dude. Remember oh, look this? At him. Look at him, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, look at this. this. This is an addict right here. That's an addict. Oh, someone yeah, that appreciates go. good smells, really. There you go. There you go. That's why you don't have any nose hairs. You've burnt them all off. Oh, I pluck them. I like <laughs> I rip that fucker out. There we go again. There we go again. Tara, he's he's going to his feminine side again. He's plucking nose hairs. Okay, I have two more for you. Yeah. Uh, one uh, former teammate here. Uh, he it was not with you uh, at this time, and this is actually when I first remember him. Uh, solid left-handed pitcher for the San Diego Padres. 
Craig Lefferts. Oh, wow. Lefty, my man. My man. So for uh, so here's the history behind Lefty and I. Lefty would always come up with these bets, right? And the bets were either Thrill grows a mustache or Lefty shaves it off. And I'll tell you one thing, he got me a lot more than I got him, even though he did have to shave his mustache once or twice. But uh, if you guys see baseball cards of the Thrill and there's a mustache on there, that's because of Craig Lefferts, and I lost a bet to him. Dude, so on this show, I have like three different pictures, four different pictures uh, on our event card. One is is the two of us. There's another one of you you swinging. Um, and then the third one that I have on the event card is just you with the fucking dirt squirrel, man. Yeah. That thing yeah. Is I got a weak, I got a weak stash. But, um, you know, Lefty, I, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you this story about Lefty. We got him in the trade with the Padres. It was the same trade that we got uh, Kevin Mitchell, believe it or not. Chris Brown uh, went over there. We, we've talked about that in the past. And Lefty used to, you know, um, let's see. Gary Gary even said that Lefty used to sprint in from the bullpen, and he did. I mean, he was just a full-on sprint all the way to the mound. And uh, one day we went to back of the plane, and I asked him, I said, Lefty, why you sprint in like that all the time? And he goes, he goes, I want to get my heart rate up and feel like I'm into the game when I get on the mound. And that made all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so one of the first few flights that we were on after Craig had gotten, you know, traded over to San Francisco, uh, they had a big uh, card game in the back of the plane. Don Robinson sort of ran the card game, caveman. And they got back there and uh, they must have got lefty drunk, Jack Daniels. And Lefty lost, I don't know, eight, ten grand, something like that on the plane flight. And so I forget where we it was flying across country. And so we were coming back across country and uh, they get they get in uh, on the plane and Lefty goes and sits up a little further up in front of the plane. He's not going to get in the card game. And Donaldson stood up on the plane and he goes, oh, Lefty. And he had a bottle of Daniels and he's bottle of like come on back lefty jack's calling you they wanted him to give up some more cash baby of course they did bro that that's uh, yeah man those guys are yep. fucking sharks dude oh yeah oh yeah they, they, they I, told, I told you like lefty don robinson had a set of tools that he carried in his freaking uh in his briefcase and he'd take all of the the bolts and the pins out of the seats and they'd fold them flat and then that was their table for the card game hey so I'm going to add one more before we get to the last guy, just because you mentioned Don Robinson. And I'm yeah. curious if there's any connection here. Ron Robinson. Do Ron you know Robinson. Ron there Robinson? is no connection, but uh, Ron Robinson, uh, widely known um, in the annals of the National League back in the 80s and 90s, Ron Robinson was part of the all Moyen team. We had ah. quite a few. We had quite a few of them on there. Uh, Glenn Hubbard was one. He was on the All Million team. Ron Robinson was on there. We had a few others that I'll name later on down the road. So basically, what Thrill's saying is that the All Million team would be the ugliest dudes in baseball. There you go. Bingo. Bingo. Ron Robinson was our starting pitcher on the All Million team. I fucking love it, man. Okay. The last guy that we have here. And it's, I mean, it's just, 
the guy's career, you can't say enough about him as a player and also, of course, as a manager. But I didn't know this. And I found out, I don't know, a few years ago, whatever, you watch the highlights. He was actually on deck when it was Hank Aaron hit his 715th home run. Yes, indeedy. My man, the Dusty Bake Train. The Dusty Bake Train. I mean, you got to have, I mean, just endless stories about Dusty. Oh, oh God, I got so many. Your hitting coach, a friend. Yeah. All yeah. right. We we were, you know, I mean, he was my hitting coach for five years before he became my manager in 93. And till this day, we talk, you know, left and right. I even told you guys, you know, um, you know, the fight that we had with St. Louis. If you go back and you pull up the YouTube videos and all that sort of stuff, Dusty Baker is the first person, is the first giant in the pile besides myself. He he was our first base coach and he got in there. Matter of fact, he got in there before Candy Malinato leveled uh, Ozzie Smith. So Dusty, you know, Hall of Fame manager was in the bottom of the pile. Um, he but that's, tells just, the that's just a dude, right? Like, yeah, oh, he's, he's my dude. He's my dude. You know, yeah. but but I mean, and, and you know, I mean, we did so much work together. I mean, in between eighty eight and eighty nine, I mean, Dusty and I completely overhauled my swing. And so, you know, the success that I had from 89 on later in my career as a director is all a dusty, and that's why I love him to death. But um, you had one, correct me if I'm wrong, real quick, though, about that. Because if you look at your swing early in the career, you had just you had a lot of moving parts. Like, like there's more moving parts. It looked a lot simpler as you progressed and say 89 mm-hmm. was your best year. Yeah. Man. So, so, so we talked about I used to stand straight up and then I'd rock way back and I'd get getting caught in between on some fastball timing and all that. And so we cut that whole rock back. We cut that move out and I started back. And then that's when the kind of rock and the wiggle came into play. And then all hell broke loose after that. But um, one of the stories that that Dusty tells about Hank Aaron was, and he tells it till this day. I've heard it a thousand times. I pass it on whenever I do public speaking. This is one of my stories. So Hank Aaron came up to Dusty when he was a rookie and he was facing Bob Gibson. And he said, whatever you do, do not dig a hole in that batter's box. You get in there, do what you need to do, but do not dig a hole on Bob Gibson. And, and all that. Bob Gibson was a gold glove boxer. You weren't going to charge mount on him. And so, you know, Dusty's like, okay, Dusty does whatever he does, right? The next year, they call up a guy, and this guy's name's Ralph Gar. And Ralph, they tell him the same thing. When you're facing Gibson, don't be digging no hole. Just get in there and do your thing. Well, Gar forgot about it. He's up there. He's digging away, right? And there's Gibson on, on the mound. Gibson's like this. And all of a sudden – Ralph Gar looks up at Gibson and he remembers what the hell they told him. And he starts like trying to put all his dirt back in his hole and all that sort of stuff. And Gibson is out on the mound. He goes, no, 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 no. He says, go ahead and finish digging your hole. He says, cause that's what I'm going to bury you in. And the next pitch, whop, they freaking drilled freaking Ralph Gar right in the ribs. That was just a different generation. These guys didn't give a fuck, man. Oh, Hey, 
There was there was a there was rules. There was rules back then. You didn't you didn't go over the rules. So there you go. Incredible. All right, Thrill. Well, right now it's the top of the eighth inning. Texas up seven to one. The Baltimore Orioles have the bases loaded with two outs. Aaron Hicks is at the plate. Uh, he's pinch hitting for the DH tonight, which was O'Hearn. Uh, apparently, like he's had some success so far in this series, has over a thousand OPS. I believe he hit a home run the other night. So this is a gigantic at bat. Let's uh, see this. And guess what? Too. And guess what? Too, we had a pitching change. Jose Leclerc came in, and he's replacing Adaldus Chapman. Chapman gave up a hit and two walks. That's how they got the bases loaded. Oh no way! So here comes here comes Leclerc. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, let so me, they pulled him, pull him they up. Pulled Chapman. I'm trying. Pulled Chapman. So this guy, this guy right here, must have pretty decent stuff. Got 57 innings pitched, 67 strikeouts with four saves and a 2.6 ERA. So they have the fourth pitch of this at bat over. Hicks's head, like literally. Do you see see that on the oh, computer? Jesus. Yeah, that was way up there. All right, so now we got three, two bases loaded, two outs. You got to think. All right, look, I'm up seven to one. Even if I give up a granny, they still down two. Here comes a heater. Go get him, big boy. This is the moment. There it is. Let's see what happens. I still can't get over that fourth pitch. Yeah, that that's that's the old uh, what we call non-competitive. That ain't even in the same zip code. Oh God, he threw him a slider, threw him a slider, and he followed oh, off. Threw him a three-two slider, he followed off right down the middle too. What channel is this thing on? Anybody? I'm, in the I'm chat? watching it on. I'm watching it on game day on the computer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. All right, here's here's a 92 mile an hour cutter. It's in play. He grounds out. All right, they got out of it. Well, all right, oh so well. off they go. Wow, wow, wow. Yep, yep. Now nah, it's seven to one going in the bottom of eighth. So anyway. All right. Hey, look, well, you know, we we covered a we covered a lot of crap today, yeah. man. I was I enjoyed that show. That was a good show. I had a little extra time. Tara didn't get home until right now. I don't have anyone yelling at me for dinner. So <laughs> um, that was fun, dude. Let's uh let's run it back if if possible next week if you're available, and we'll continue with the playoffs. We'll have the championship series going on, and um. I'll figure out a way to put it on the screen behind me so we can actually fucking live react to some of this stuff. Yeah, no, we'll be, we'll be able to do that. And, you know, depending on how, how much more info we got, we always can knock a person or two in here. Oh, so. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. I apologize uh, for everybody who we did not let in tonight. We, we can and will let people on the show. I mean, you guys do know that like it's, it's one of those things that, We'll do, and we can. You guys can ask questions. You can ask Thrill, uh, whatever you like. Well, and then every now and again, we just bring you on to say, "What's up, fuckface?" Hey, and here he is. How the fuck are you doing? 
Hey, 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 show, get out the way, Mike. Show me that clean shaven bitch that's standing next to you. Let me see that. Oh, my God. The hell, you're a normal. Ian, what the hell happened? I look like a fucking banker. Hey, Mike is telling us, he said that you were going to town. He said you just made a bad snip and you said, ah, shit on it. Just got yeah. it. Fuck it. That's what happens when you do shit when you're drinking. <laughs> drinking? Drinking it with scissors. That works out great. Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah, wait till the next day. <laughs> Well, what are you going to do with Santa Claus right next to you? Uh, we just got done trimming 80 pounds of tri-tip. Uh, we're doing a big barbecue for uh, the Nevada baseball team on Friday. They're doing an alumni game. It's going to be awesome. They got players coming back from Nevada over the last 25 years to do a baseball game um, against the current team. All the uh, guys that are trying to get to commit to Nevada are going to be at the game. So Mike and I are putting on a huge barbecue for them. My wife is taking care of all the decor. She's got she's got the knack for that. It's just going to be a it's going to be a great time. Actually, Friday burns. If you're not doing nothing, bring Biss it down, man. Get, I even know I, we have a good enough uh, relationship with the coach. He he let Biscuit fucking take bad in practice with those guys. And everything, man, It'd be great. I love it. Now he's got a flag football game on Friday, so okay. we can't we can't make it. And then we got the tournament, so we got to drive down to the Bay Area afterwards. That said, Jason, what we will do is go out to a practice one day, and. I would love. I would love to mix it up with those boys. That'd be. Oh, awesome. they, they'd love it, Burns, if he showed up. And like I said, even last time they had a scrimmage uh, uh, last weekend, and Jake came up to me. He's like, "Get in the cage and take some swings if you want." So I was like, "No, I, I, I like all my muscles where they're at. What's left of them? I'm not swinging shit." Take some swings, you <laughs> pussy. I'm not oh, by the way, burn. by the way, we didn't even we didn't even go over this today. But for everybody in the freaking chat room. Hopefully y'all didn't get off, but the Savannah Bananas are coming to Baton Rouge, yes, Louisiana next year. Oh, shit. The, Nicole, the Nicole thrill Nicole. has already told the TC man that we will be there on the field, in the dugout, all of that stuff. Hey, One thousand uh, percent, bro. And for, what? What's the uh, club called when you get into the, the uh, Savannah Bananas club? There's a club uh, you get into, then you get first pick, whatever it is. Nicole got into that. She's excited, and she wants to go to the Baton Rouge game. So, yeah, okay. that's in, yeah, that's in March, dude. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to like look at spring training and tell the Giants, no, I can't come. I gotta go to a fucking Savannah Bananas game. Bananas <laughs> time. Uh, what, dude? Is it is it chilly in March out there? Will it be? Oh, it'll be, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a little nippy when you're here. Yeah. Uh. I'll be I'll be fun though, dude. We uh yeah, definitely honestly take that date and block it out from the Giants. Yeah, there's there's three days in there. I think it's November 14th through the 16th. So I can't wait, dude. So, I can't wait. Dude, it's out. already I already I'm, put it on my calendar. I'm, I'm good. Call, I'm calling Uncle Jesse tonight. I'm gonna tell him that that those games right there are gonna be the first games that I'll be at for uh the due season. Yeah. 
All right, dude. Yeah, uh, any, any final words uh, for the two of you, uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, there on the right side of my screen? So, uh, seeing that all my teams are out of the playoffs, I'm all I'm on the Diamondbacks train this year. Let's go Diamondbacks! You know, having the Reno Aces here, we follow those kids, we watch them come yeah. up. So we're excited about it and hope they run deep. It's just it's fun to watch a, a team like that with a lot of young talent, uh, a lot of. A lot of names that, you know, the country doesn't know come together, put games together and it, take it to somebody like the Dodgers. So excited to watch the Diamondbacks make a deep run. Hey, do you guys have any recommendation of what you would name this Super 70 sports character on my shirt? I Earlier we talked about it. Fuck it, Fred was what I came up with. Do you guys have anything better? It's hard to beat fucking Fred, but <laughs> fucking Fred or fuck it, Fred, Fr- Freddie Fenderbender. I think it's you know it's, it's fuck it, Fred. Like fucking Fred, Fred, Fred. Fuck. I'm smoking my smag. I'm wearing my '70 Astros throwback. I you know I got a dirt squirrel that's just so incredibly disgusting. I don't give two shits. I got the flow coming out of the hat. I got and the Thurman Munson 70s glasses. Dude, the, yeah. the scary part is the glasses because those are straight up panel van fucking child. Oh, hell yeah, it is. So, <laughs> hell yeah, it is. I don't know, man. Maybe rules and vans, man. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey. Fucking Freddy panel van. I don't know. All you, all, all, you, all you parents, keep him away from your 12 year olds. <laughs> He looks, like a, he looks like a bag of barbecue potato chips. Well, what's perfect is that, you know, these coaches' shirts are actually going to go to coaches coaching 12-year-olds. So I, I think they're cool. I can't think of a more perfect shirt to I'm, – I'm actually uh, – uh, Tara advised me with this. She goes, reach out to the Super 70 sports guy and see if he wants to do a collaboration on a shirt. I said, done. And she goes, but you have to take the cigarette out of the guy's mouth. And my response to Tara was, fucking never, never will I take a smag out of his mouth. No way. No way. No. Sig's inside, bro. (laughs) Oh, dude. It's been been fun. You know, of all the shows, this has certainly uh, been one of them. I'm not sure if it's been. Look at that beard. (laughs) Fuck out of here. Um, yeah, no shit. That's what you get. That's what you get for fucking cutting your face. Get out of here. Yeah, man. I, he he uh he tried that thing. Was, I mean, it was down to here, right? He looked like Bowser. Yeah, no, he was. That. He and Mike. He and Mike were what and what, and now now he ain't what and what. So hey, Luker and Andre, dude. I I've I've kept you guys hanging two weeks in a row. I apologize, man. Wife's home though. I got I, I got to go downstairs. Dinner the whole bit. I next week. I'm going to get you guys on. That is, uh, we'll make sure we'll fire you guys on at the end of the program. Thrill oh, and by the way, way, by the way, Luker, Luker, one of these days I'll do your podcast. Uh, got some shit going on right now, like hunting trips and all that. But once I break loose, I'll do your podcast. Sweet. Thrill, any final words for the daily? Uh, no, never mind. Deuce is wild. Deuce Audience. Is wild. Yeah, now, we ain't doing the daily hustle. But wait, hold on a second here. We have now cracked. The top 15 of baseball podcasts on Apple, dude. Yes, sir. Look at us go. How about that? After like a month, not even. 
that's pretty impressive. Dude, that is impressive. That's large right there. I mean, shit, you think you think about it. I mean, all we out here doing is messing around, having fun, laughing, and giggling, people enjoying it. So hey man. Thank y'all for thank y'all for tuning in. We're gonna do it again next week. Get ready. Absolutely. Bring bring some friends. Come, come to the live performance for everybody listening on Apple, on Spotify, Caffeine TV, uh, Fubo, every, anywhere else, 17 different pl- podcast platforms that we're going out to. Please do us a favor. Leave a review. It always helps with the rankings, things like that. Uh, and it just gets more people here. Uh, that's the biggest thing I think Thrill and I both enjoy is uh, having this uh, dialogue, whatever, being able to teach the game, get more people involved. We film this, tape this, record this live every single Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Thrill time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to join us live, then you can freaking get cranking in the chat. We'll get you on screen, all the above. But uh, in the meantime, if you could leave a review, hit the five stars if you're feeling generous. We'd greatly appreciate it. Dude, look, we got some playoff baseball coming up. We'll be getting caught up on that. And if there's any other Higante information, we'll be passing that along next Tuesday. In the meantime, have everybody have a great weekend. Awesome, Thrill. Thanks, bro. I'll see you next week. You got it, bro. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.